Hold the gravy podcast. Hold the gravy podcast. Hold the gravy podcast. Hold the gravy podcast. It's been a little bit since you heard from me. I do apologize for my absence. You know, <clears throat> the hardest part of this job, I think, is being so vulnerable. And I learn from all kinds of podcast hosts and voices and different different things that I listen to and different people. And uh, I learn from them. And I respect how committed they are to doing this and, and keeping at it and keeping a schedule on their release dates and uh when we first started this we projected about one episode a month to come out and um i may skip a month and and release three uh, uh, during some months and and you know i do apologize for the people that that continue to listen and and maybe need me to get on my on my you know get on the ball with it and um thank you to the fans that are sort of itching for that next hold the gravy episode and i'm trying to get better at it and i'm trying to work it in my crazy little schedule and that's no excuse you know time management is is a very important skill i think to to master if you're gonna be a jack of all trades or do different types of freelance activities like I do in my life. And it's the way I make my dollar. You know, I have a lot of different jobs and this is one of them. And this is, uh, this is one of the, one of the skills that I'm still learning, I think. And, and one of the skills that needs a lot of sharpening and I didn't get to, I didn't get a chance to, uh, study, this as much as some of the other things I do. So I think those take time and, and and I think doing, doing this takes time. And I think, uh, with time it'll grow and the fans will probably hear me grow as well and, and become better at this hopefully. And without, uh, without fans, you know, I might just be a dude talking into a microphone and, who knows? Who knows who listens? I think that's what this new podcasting thing is about. And um, But if you really think about it, I mean, there's been talk show hosts. There's been radio hosts. That's, that's been around for, for quite some time. And we've, we've learned from those people. And we've learned from those voices. And we've relied on those voices. And, and maybe that consistent schedule, if... If you're old school, if you listen to the radio, you you know every Tuesday at at six o'clock you're going to hear your your favorite local DJ on, on this station, and I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's not what this is uh this is about, and and I'm learning as we go, y'all, and I'm vulnerable too, and. Uh, I've been going through it, you know. I've been trying to grow up. I'm 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 uh, pretty busy this year and I'm getting married this year. I'm very excited about that and I'm trying to grow up and I'm trying to 
become my own my own person man and uh it's tough i think it's tough in today's age and the world we live in is is not making it easy to proceed to to really stick your neck out you know you must bleed to proceed I think also the hardest part of this job is these intros and outros for me. I'm pretty good at, at showing up and, and talking to different people that I may or may not know and conversing and, and sort of getting the ball rolling with a with a solid natural conversation, but when I have to sort of lock myself in a in a dark room, it's uh it's not my strong suit, I think, is to just sit and talk to myself in a microphone. There are some people out there that can get their thoughts out of their head and and put it onto paper maybe speak their thoughts like like I'm doing right now and skipping the paper step you know when we first started hold the gravy we were definitely trying to make this a a mental health podcast and um I'll be honest I've been I've been in and out and I've been struggling with my mental health and uh, it's 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 not easy for me to preach or or to maybe show or tell people how to live a better life when I'm still learning myself. It is um it is an ongoing battle I think in today's world with a lot of people, a, a different ages, different generations, trying to grow in their own lives and and sort of grow with other people and uh, unexpected relationships and unexpected partnerships that you may have in your life and it's not easy it's not easy to work with others and and, and not have any bumpy roads and, and not have any hiccups here and I'm going through it I'm definitely going through it with certain aspects of my life. And there's some people out there that really do have their entire thing together. And it's, it's envious for others and it's really impressive. And some people don't know how to achieve that. And whatever it is you're chasing, you know, there's other people to help. And, and, and I think that's what comes to mind when I talk about the guest on this episode, he committed his whole business and his whole life to, to, to helping people and to bettering the quality of their life, whatever it must take to get people on their feet and, and, and to continue to progress. This man here has, has committed his whole thing to that. And he's an inspiration and, um, I've known him for some time. I've known him for a few years and we worked together on some philanthropy projects He's definitely shown me a few things or two. I mean, he's he's got a beautiful family, charisma. He he's a he's a figure in the city, and people respect him, and people come up to him and ask him for for maybe some advice or or how to how to do this or how to get by or you know how do I better myself here? And he's not a therapist, he's not a doctor, but he, he he's he's certainly on that path where. I think people trust him. He's a real trustworthy guy. And uh, 
I think that's going to make him succeed and continue to to grow his his brand and grow within these companies that he runs. And um, it, it's it's hard to keep your own stuff together, much less keep other people's lives in check as your every day to day kind of kind of job and 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 goals and it's admirable man it really is and and John is he's a he's a figure in the in the city of Lafayette Louisiana that I think a lot of people look up to and I think um I think a lot of people work alongside of him as well and and are are after the same positive goals John um I do apologize for in this interview I I I mispronounced one of your companies and I called it a foundation but it's actually a mission and listening back I did I did hear my my mistake and um that's what it is it is a mission and everything he does is umbrellaed under the quality of of bettering everybody's lives and uh he pays a lot of attention to the elderly and to people that may not be able to support themselves in today's world. And um, that's, that's, that's nothing but respect for that because I think in our country and, and in, our, in our culture here, is, it's, we, we sometimes forget about the elderly and we continue on our with our own lives when they're older and and can't really help themselves and and can't continue on maybe at the same pace that we're rolling on every day you know and that's that's kind of sad sometimes it it really hurts my heart to to think about and and um I'm just grateful that I'm able to spend the time that I can with my grandparents and I know that they may or may not be listening to this and every time I see him it's super special and I really I try to I try to become as present as I can with with the time spent with them even if it's a few hours and I try to remain positive and I try to almost reflect positivity back onto them because I know that they're going through a lot and seeing our world today kind of I think I think crumble in in their opinions and it's not the world that they grew up in and it's, it's a lot different and I'm not going to say it's more difficult or easier because I couldn't imagine growing up in, in the conditions that they did and the times that they did. And I know that they went through their own generations of hardships to, to overcome and provide for their families. And, and I'm grateful for that because I'm, I'm alive because of that. And, and uh, all I can do is, Hope that I am pushing, pushing and pushing to better either my area, the people around me, and maybe I don't do that as well as, or I don't do that as well for some people in my life as others, but just know that I'm always looking at the bigger picture, and I'm always set on 
the same vision for for everybody, all my loved ones around me, and and I'm trying to make my family proud, and I'm trying to do all I can with with the decisions that I've made in 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 my own life, and and show show my family and show the the ones ahead of me that that I could do this, and I can really take this to the next level, and and hope that others listen to what I have to say about the culture and some other guests that I'm bringing on that and listen to what they have to say to better the culture and to better the community. And, and I think that's what's going to make us look at this world a little bit better, a little bit more positive, because there's a lot of things out there that are telling us maybe, maybe not false information, but a, a twisted story to where we kind of make it up in our mind that, Everything's so bad and so scary out there, and I don't know. I, I do. I think a lot about the elderly, and and I think this has a lot to do with the episode today. And they, I think if that's some advice I can I can at least give today, it's it's maybe call your mom and dad, call your grandparents, and let them know you love them. Let them know that everything's okay, and that you're trying to make this world a little bit better today, even if it's inch by inch. Because not everybody sees it as a, as a bright and shiny day every every day, and and I feel bad. I feel bad. I think I think I think my grandparents sometimes are a little afraid, and um, they stick to what they're they're comfortable with. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I know it's I know it's a new world, and it's tough, and. Um, they're God-loving people. They have hope. They believe in in us, the grandchildren, and and their children. And but I think the time spent with each other while they're still here should not be about the negatives that's happening around us, or whatever the news is telling us, or whatever you may think you saw or heard about this and that and it's I don't know I, I do think that there's still ways to value your family members and value your older family members the elderly specific and and level with them and and sort of teach each other something still and if if it's about the internet or if it's about a letter writing class or a book or something of that nature and, and something that if you're making a, a a table or if you're learning how to work on a carburetor from your grandfather, I mean, it's the time spent that's, I think, sharing that knowledge and sharing these stories instead of just like getting together and just talking crap on on whatever current events are happening and it's it doesn't feel like we're growing whenever those are the those are the conversations that are being had uh, for hours you know definitely doesn't and um again i i just i do i value family and i i'm marrying into a new family this year and i'm very excited i love them dearly as well and I think um I think a lot about them and 
I respect a lot of their family values that I'm learning from, and and it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to be accepted into another family and and being treated like one of their own. You know, it's a new thing that I get to experience with with Miss Taylor, who I've been with for ten years now, and and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great thing whenever we seal the deal later this year. But I'm sorry if I'm coming off a little a little sad today. I know this is the first time you heard from me in quite a few weeks. I have been traveling a bit, and I'm leaving in the morning to travel some more. And uh, I'm questioning if I should bring one of my microphones in my suitcase. Can only can only bring so much baggage with me, you know, and I, I try to keep a good tab on every bit of equipment I'm bringing, especially on other jobs and Seeing if I even will have time while I'm on this other job. I'm I'm uh, flying to Vegas. I'm staying in Arizona. I'm working in Utah, but it's all on the same trip. It's kind of kind of funny, but it's all in the desert right there. And new places. I'm excited to see some new places. And um, just got back from the Northeast. I played a crawfish festival with my band out in Augusta, New Jersey. Pretty crazy. I didn't get to taste the crawfish. We were in and out, but there was a a ton of fans out there that were supportive of Louisiana culture. And I, I do want to shout out Michael Arnone for bringing us out there a second time. And we appreciate the hospitality from all the Northeasterners out there. And I hope, uh, I hope any of y'all are listening to this. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, back to Louisiana culture, back to what hold the gravy is about. That's, that ain't changing, baby. This is the goal, and this is the message right here. It's about Louisiana. And the, the fact that you can have a a crawfish festival in New Jersey and, and boil uh, umpteen amount of pounds of crawfish and, and people out there supporting it and eating it, and that's amazing. That's, a, that's really, truly amazing, and um, I thank you all. I, I really do, from the bottom of my heart, I know. It was a lot of the same people we got to see at Jazz Fest. I'm sure they were fans of our last guest, Mr. Louis Michaud. And um, I know he's rolling all over the place with his band and his family. And we got some great guests coming at you on Hold the Gravy. And I, I wouldn't just be saying that. I'm really going after some of the heavy hitter culture bearers of our state and of our region. And people with a voice, you know. If you got some suggestions of, of some some Louisiana figures that you'd like to hear on this podcast, shoot them my way. You know, I'm all ears. I'm 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 open to what this can be, and and uh, it's still early in the stages of this podcast and what what we can grow it as. So I, I really I'm, I'd love to hear from some, from some listeners and uh, hear some feedback. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just here working here and in 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 the heat because sun it's hot there's a heat wave down in louisiana right now and it is dry as a bone and um i saw something pretty funny is there's a friend that said yeah i don't want to i don't want to hear y'all complaining about when it's cold and wet in a few months and and he's right because it is dry and hot right now good lord it's a time of season down here in louisiana where your central ac unit is set, you know, probably uh, around lower 70s. But it don't 
turn off. It's on auto, but it still is just running the whole time because your house actually never gets as cold as you want it to be. And uh, it's it's about the time where your window units are probably dripping because they're running so hard. And I don't know. Here's a reminder to change your air filter. I guess I need to do that as well before I hit the road. And um, thank you again for just being being my friends here on Hold the Gravy Podcast. I'm super excited to show you this interview with my friend John Williams. He is the owner of QLS, which is Quality Life Services, and he runs a very special nonprofit organization titled Blue Monday Mission, and they have many music events. They work with musicians around the area. They have a weekly or bi-weekly series called the Blue Monday Mission, and um, some heavy hitters that played on it, y'all. It's, it's some serious blues music and incredible vocalists and guitar players and bass players and horns and drums and you know we about our culture and we about our food and music and uh i'm excited for you to hear what he has to say about his own personal journey of learning to cook from his father and learning how to cook from his wife's parents and he is a great friend of mine that has donated to our philanthropy projects with some of my nonprofit organizations and I'm just grateful to know him and um, really grow and, and continue to know him because I think that me and him might hopefully be doing some work in the future together with more episodes in this podcast and all kinds of things. So I've been rambling for quite some time. I'm going to just get to this interview with my man John Williams here. Thank you again for listening. This is Hold the Gravy, episode 15. You go. I'll take <laughs> John Williams, man. Thank you so much for sitting down with me here on a on a busy Saturday, like you were just saying. You know? Oh no, it's laid back. Just family family time, but uh it's a great pleasure to be able to uh speak with you. And first first off I I would like to say happy Father's Day to you. I know it's it's summertime and you're you're chasing the kids around and they got many activities. Mm, it's too hot. <laughs> the activities consist of cutting grass <laughs> <laughs> that's what my summer activities were for sure hey made you into a great guy and uh i live in the city with no grass now uh, i don't cut my own grass <laughs> i gave it up <laughs> i was uh i was bush hogging yesterday out in out in oakdale where we do our festival so that was that was enough cutting grass for me for about uh two months till so, next year yeah <laughs> Maybe till the fall, but there you go. But yeah, man, I'm 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 blown away by where we are right now. We're at the Lafayette Travel Center. I've passed by this place uh, probably only four thousand times in my life, and I've actually never been here. Never, nobody ever pulls in. But. It's it's such a unique spot in the neutral ground of of I forty nine, the throughway. You know, they call it the uh, gateway to Lafayette. Right. I was thinking it's like the crossroads of. Uh, upper lafayette or the north side or you know i-10 and i-49 is where it intersects and it takes you right into downtown lafayette man it's a beautiful way to to enter the city in my opinion i think so i went to school right there too so i would where st leo no i went to uh turlings right right down the road and so i would always have to come from from Karen Crow and then take a left right here. Usually stop at Meshes. Yeah, oh right Lord, there yeah. on Willow. It was uh, it's weird to have this spot because I went to St. Leo Seton 
And when they built this property originally, and it's over 30 years ago, I remember when they were building the building the pond, and they were like, "We could put they could put alligators in there," and and then now you know skip all these years. Now I get to share this property. My sons, uh, the plants outside are all native to Louisiana, so wow, they learn the plants. There's turtles in the pond. We feed the turtles. It's been a huge blessing being here. It's awesome. And you get to feel a little bit of the rumble when the 18-wheelers yeah. pass through. Oh, yeah, you'll yeah. definitely get that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a part of the uh, the experience here in Lafayette. But So tell me what, tell me one thing. You're wearing, you're wearing a QLS shirt. Yeah, that's uh, my private company that my wife and I actually started um, well, 10 years in May. Um, it's quality of life services. Uh, we both have been nurses for almost 20 years and, uh, we stepped out of that world and we created a company that we create environments inside of your home so that elderly people can live home independently. So we have life care partners, people who provide day-to-day services for you. And then we'll come in and coordinate your medical or we'll, we just help you live life better. You know, um, the story I tell is, you know, from running nursing homes or running hospital units. Um, I just got really tired of older people feeling like a burden. And in most cases, you know, older people, they're the ones that put their kids on and their kids' kids. And I wanted to create a way to re-empower those older people. And um, so we do that by helping them regain their independence and uh, define their quality of life. So we'll do anything from changing the AC filters to we drove a 92-year-old to Omaha for the LSU World Series, you know, when they made it a bunch of years ago. Wow. And uh, it was great. It's been a blessing. That's awesome. And, I mean, do you think that that's uh, sort of uh, an American thing that, that kind of makes elderly feel like a burden or, you know? 100%. Um, I do feel it. it's a cultural thing uh, when it comes to Americans that, you know, we believe in this work, 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 work. Uh, the older generation instilled it in us. Um, And in some cases, you'll see where the children will come back or take their parents into their homes. But I just think that with our pace and our grind, um, you don't see it, you know, uh, not often that an American family will bring their loved one into their home with them because, oh, I got kids and I got jobs and I'm running around. How am I going to take care of mom or dad? Um, I do see it more in Americans, but um, since COVID and things shut down, I have seen a turn where people are have regained a lot more family value and connectivity with their family and slowing down. So um, it's definitely not balanced at all, but it's much better. And do you, I mean, going, in, going into your, your newer uh quality life service going into their households do you see an improvement in some of your one million percent i mean you know uh it, it is hard you know every time you go into your el- your aging parent if you go into that home and you know oh i gotta wash the dishes i gotta clean you know wash all the clothes you know uh, when i initially started the company i wanted to take the burden off of the family that way a son or a daughter can just go back to being a son or a daughter so almost immediately, we see the change. We see the shift um, where they don't feel like a they don't feel like they're. It's a task to go take care of mom and dad because they're already taken care of at a high level, and then their parent is smiling and 
ready to get up and go and enjoy their family because they don't feel like they're a burden. I, I def, the, the improvement uh, in, in having quality of life services on board is almost immediate. And builds their relationships back up. And, and yeah. I think that helps probably multi-generational, uh, the parents, the grandparents, the, the yeah. great grandkids, you know. You learn the most. I always said old people are better than Google. You know, because they live so many transitions and generations, you know, um, so they're just a wealth of knowledge and giving them peace of mind and quality. Then they open up more, you know, and we see it all. It's, it's beautiful. That's amazing, man. And and you, you're not obviously you're a man of many talents. You know, you're, you you have a lot of irons in the fire. And I remember a few years ago now, the first time me and you crossed paths was uh, for a toy drive that that I was doing and I knew we had mutual friends and and my cousins knew you and all of that but you came through with trash bags full of (laughs) toys I mean and this was our first one that we did this was kind of year one so it was uh I didn't know what to expect I didn't know how many people were really gonna show up and support with the toy drive and and then you came and Santa Claus himself I mean (laughs) it was amazing man well you know it's um when we started the company, I think my wife and I were 29, just turned 30, and um, we were blessed immediately. I mean, it's a private home care company. So, you know, um, but I looked at it and I said, Bay, I don't like pulling trailers, so I'm not going to buy a boat. I don't like to hunt, nor do I like wet grass, so I'm not going to buy a camp. So I said, what are we going to do with this money? Because Uncle Sam is eating me up, and I don't know what to do with it. So... Uh, we revitalized my father's nonprofit, Love of People, that he had started in 1993. And this this is the year, I think maybe we had revitalized it about two years before you and I met. But um, because we just, I wanted to give back. I wanted to invest in the community. Um, I wanted to use the wealth that my wife and I were uh, building to bless others. So that year that we met, we had started a community Christmas gumbo and we would do a toy drive every year. And um, when Mr. Lee Allen Zeno, our very close mutual friend, when he told me, man, you gotta come meet my partner Hunter, man. You know, he doing a toy drive, so. And at this time, I had Hub City Ford had helped me do a toy drive that they were open in Monkus Park. And Gus Rosende allowed me to set up a booth and I set up like I had, you know, a truck. <laughs> but Lafayette showed up in an insane way uh, for this event that we did uh, at Monkus Park. And man, I had a whole transit van full of toys. It was a ridiculous amount of toys. And when Mr. Lee shared um, the relationship that he had with you and your family, and you were starting this toy drive for your family because you y'all were blessed and right. you wanted your family to give back. Right, Man, you touched my heart. You, it went straight through my heart. And yeah, I pull up. Yeah, you pulled up proper, man. <laughs> yeah, baby. it was absolutely proper, and and uh, we we still to this day do it, and you come yeah. every time. And every time we've had a food drive um, a few times, and we were able to sort of give back to to your mm-hmm. uh, exchange, and and you know how to sort of facilitate where these goods can go. Yeah, and you were just kind of showing me around the office here, and you you know you have shelving that's you're organizing different items for certain households and and what have you but it's just great man and you know it's it all sort of umbrellas under the same thing 
with Blue Monday, with and, and I want to touch on that obviously, but but obviously with QLS and quality of life services is really the umbrella, right? You know, we provide quality of life for individuals, families, communities, and businesses, and we do that mainly with love of people, helping others help others. So, were you you're born and raised Lafayette, Grand Coteau Sunset, Grand Coteau Sunset, <laughs> Exit uh, Seven? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've, I've been taking Exit 7 uh, the last few times out of habit, and then the, the, the bridge is closed to get to my parents' house, so I have to detour Oh wow! through all kinds of things, but I don't mind it, honestly. Yeah, so, hey, it's a ride, and it's peaceful. Man. It is, and the cornfields are growing right now, and it's like, man, I kind of miss it. Grab yeah, I kind of <laughs> miss it over here. So, yeah, you, you, you can't have uh, a quality of life without providing, I think, a, a really a good quality life for your own family. Yeah. And, and I mean, you have to be able to hold your own to be able to give and give back. And I, I think- always say you can't give to anybody what you can't give to yourself. You know, you have to look at your own home. You know, you can't go running around trying to fix something and coming back to a home that's chaotic. You know, you, you got to get your stuff, your, your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and then you're, you're a prime example of it, man, honestly, because every time I, I run into you, either if it's during a festival or during a, a music event, you, you just got so many things going on, and that's, that's admirable. You know, I kind of I kind of try to do the same thing with whatever it is I'm doing. I'm, I'm a little bit younger, and, and I have the same drive and the same goals with, with what I want to give back to my family and my community. But, uh, but yeah, I, I look up to you, man. And I, I'll be honest with you, brother, cause I love you so much, you know, and people never believe me, but I really am a shy person. You know, I, I don't like being in the, you know, front and center of things. So when, when things are going on and like a music thing, I'm always cooking or serving because it allows me to be busy Right. So that I don't have to be some social butterfly. Right. You know? Right. Uh, if I don't like surface conversation, you know, if, if I'm going to bump into you, then let's talk about something real. Let's talk about what we're going to do. Um, so staying busy at events like that is just my way of, you know, staying in my zone. No. And I feel like I honestly feel like every time we, we come in contact with each other, we're like on to the next. Like yeah. what's what's happening? <laughs> what's going on? And, and I, I really respect that. And. I'm the same way. I, I really want to dive in to anything, you know, anything that you got that you can throw my way. Oh, yeah. And, and I feel that with you every time we, we just have a conversation. And uh, so this was sort of this was sort of last minute to, to come in town and do this with you on Father's Day weekend. I know I know everybody's kind of busy and staying out the heat. So I'm just grateful for for the time, man. And um, so I do want to touch on Blue Monday Foundation. If you can, if you can sort of tell our our hold the gravy listeners what what that's about. Um, Blue Monday Mission. Uh, it really is, in a nutshell, is quality of life services. Uh, what we provide privately for our clients. Um, when I was made aware by Sammy Parbu and Sean Bruce, uh, when they educated me that you know here in Acadiana, as you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I silenced that. My bad. It's all good. Uh, here in Acadiana, we have such a um, deep pool of talented musicians, artists, chefs. You know, I call it the creative economy. Uh, we have so many talented creatives, but as they age and get older and they can't gig anymore because of arthritis or can't see to drive, 
Uh, how do they make their money? Um, how do they continue to pay their bills? And when I, when I was educated by Sammy and Sean on these titans that we've had in the community for the last four decades, five decades and more, um, they were living very rough, you know, um, in some cases, barely running water in the house, um, driving a vehicle with no heat, no AC uh, in it. Um, just, you know, that if we truly are the hub of culture and community, what makes us that is our creative economy. So if as a community we're not taking care of those who created the entire culture that we represent, um, then it's fake. So uh, five years ago, we took the resources out of quality of life services and we gave them away to aging musicians and artists throughout Acadiana. Um, and it's been beautiful. Right. So it's, it's, it's QLS doing the same service, but I think it's a more niche kind of group of people that you're, you're willing to go out and, and, and help. And obviously has a lot to do with the musical culture mm-hmm. of, of the heartland. Yeah. And there has been so many greats that have come from this area and, and probably have, you know, watched some of their bandmates go on to a greater, you know, life, you know, pass away. And then, and then I guess be out of a gig. And I, you know, if nobody's calling them to, to sort of be that side man or be that musician, what just happens? player, what happens? Because yeah. that's what they did for, for 40, 50 years, like yeah. you said. Well, we always said in the beginning, you know, um, I always found that we celebrated these musicians like after they were gone. You know, I'm like, why wait till one of them dies to, oh, let's, like, come on. You know, we like Carol Fran would say, give me my flowers while I'm still here, you know. And that's what Blue Monday Mission does. You know, you mentioned... You know, the side man, you know, Lee Allen Zeno was one of the founding members of Blue Monday Mission. Um, from day one, Lee Allen said, hey, so you go ahead and, you know, this man allowed me to utilize his reputation to validate me to that creative community. And y'all let me right in because Lee Allen walked me through the front door. And he's been there with me every single day, you know, but if you don't know who Lee Allen Zeno is, he was the bass man for Buckwheat Zodico. And he went on the road with Buckwheat when he was 15 years old. So when Buckwheat passed away, like you said, what what do they do? You know, the phone isn't ringing anymore to, to go on tour. And Blue Monday not only provides quality of life services for aging musicians and artists, but we also provide work opportunity, and uh, and that's what we've done. It's special, man, and, and I I constantly see it, and I see it growing, and I see all types of different young musicians get involved, and, and I know y'all do or did weekly concerts. I'm not sure if it's we would do sort every of second down. Monday. Oh, it's it <laughs> with the with this when the need rose so much, I right. definitely had to back off of the you know um, we weren't we stopped doing the every second Monday of the month. Uh, but now we're bringing that back. Um, we've had a lot of growth uh, coming out of COVID. Right. Um, but COVID really, uh, for everybody, I mean, it shut it all down. But it didn't shut Blue Monday Mission down because now 
you know, the creative economy, in my opinion, was hit so hard. You know, you couldn't sing. You couldn't play a horn inside. You couldn't, you know, all this was shut down. So my phone started ringing off the hook like, hey, John, how am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to feed myself? You know, um, and that was musicians. That was hairdressers. That was waiters, waitresses, bartenders, you know. And that's when that food drive really took off. And and within the first, what, two or three months of COVID, we had produced over 5,000 meals, you know. Um, so Blue Monday Mission, we never could stop. COVID didn't stop a thing. Right. Um, but where we are now, we're bringing the second Monday back um, and we're going to have our concert series. It's not a fun, people say, oh, it's a fundraiser. Well, it raised, you know, maybe $8 in five years. <laughs> but what it has done is that it continues to raise awareness for the mission. And from that awareness, I'm able to book large, like we just opened for Bobby Rush Friday at ACA. Right. You know, we play Festival International every year, Baton Rouge Blues Festival every year. Um, we're going to come on to New Orleans and do some things. Right. You know? So I'm able to raise awareness with the concert series, but provide job opportunities for the creatives. It's amazing, man. And and yeah, speaking of speaking of sort of the all star set of the what? festival, I mean, I saw it this year at Festival International and it's incredible. It really is seeing all the different singers that get to come and showcase and all the different musicians that are on stage and uh I mean Lee holding it down, obviously. Right. He drives the train. Yeah, I he? mean <laughs> not gonna beat around the punch. He there. drives the train. It just is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a great thing, man, and and uh, again, it's admirable, and I really look up to what what you got going, and it seems like you're always sort of growing with it, and you you sort of got different ideas each time I I get to talk to you, and and it's progressing. Yep, uh, I always said if you're not moving forward, then you know what's the point. So um, after five years of Blue Monday Mission. Um, we did progress it into this art of business. I'm also the executive director for Upper Lafayette Economic Development Foundation. And what this has allowed me to do is connect the business community to the creative economy. In that now, all these younger musicians who've been coming, uh, the older musicians allowing them to stand on their shoulders and represent themselves, we've created what I call the art of business. So now we're adding in business acumen into the working younger musician. What I mean is we connect them with CPAs and they teach them taxes. We even uh, we have Alan Green with Greenhouse. He's a psych um, nurse practitioner. So you're able to, you know, have uh, psych consultations. We have a medical doctor, Dr. Mir. So you have access to health care, you know, um, because. We've made it with Blue Monday Mission for five years because of the younger musician continue to in, continuing to engage. And it just, right after COVID, I realized if we don't start injecting some focus into the younger musician, then in 30 years, they will be in the same position as these older musicians that we're trying to help. So that's how I felt that Blue Monday Mission could grow. In that if we if we started to affect the working musician now, then we can decrease the amount of aged musicians that don't have the resources they need. So now we're just attacking the problem from both both angles. That's a 
I mean, it's it's a really good point. I mean, and it's relatable for for me and living in New Orleans and sort of being surrounded by a lot of younger musicians that are probably in the same boat, that are very hardworking, that are doing what they need to do to survive, pay their bills, probably save a little extra money, you know. But I think learning what life is is really going to throw at you, you know, is important. And yep. again, man, um, all of this is just so it hits so close to home. So it's uh, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it so clear and concise. You know. Yeah. So. You 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 cook too though. This is I I, I I can't you know I'm I'm hating to jump around all of this. It's, it's life, baby. I, I guess a little bit of a background is this podcast is is food based. It's food cultural based, and it's uh, partnered with the Delcom Seafood and Farmers Market. Mm-hmm. So we try to get a lot of chefs on here. We try to get a lot of conversation about Louisiana seafood, obviously, because you can. You can order from our website and get fresh seafood from the Gulf shipped anywhere in the world to your doorstep. And what that website is, is that, baby? Uh, LouisianaDirectSeafood.com. Oh, it's on. <laughs> and uh, we, we have our Delcom Farmers Market every Saturday, or mm-hmm. sorry, every first Saturday of the month, except the summer months. And um, sometimes if the shrimp is right, the boat will pull up. And you you can bring your ice chest out there and buy the shrimp straight into your ice chest. Yep. And it's uh it's become a hit. It has really become a hit out there, and people are driving from all over the state, all over the region to sort of do that. And uh, I go get soft shell crabs from that market. Right. Yep. Love it. I mean the the fresh redfish, the the drum, the all of that, the tuna, you know, the crab. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess what I'm saying is, what inspires you to come back to sort of food as as simple as like all the things you're doing for quality of life to help as many people as you can you always catch yourself behind the barbecue pit yeah like i mean that that's like a four-pronged thing for me you know um my mom was a working woman um so she was a one-pot wonder you know Brown some chicken, throw some water in it. Here's your rice and gravy. You know, it was quick, <laughs> but it felt it filled the hole in your stomach. Right. You know, um, but most of my learning how to cook came from my wife's grandmother. And um, she taught me, first of all, I had to cut onions for about three, four years before she really started teaching, you know, letting me see what was going on in the pot. And. When I came into my wife's family, um, that was when I really fell in love with cooking. Um, To me, food, you know, is just a way to communicate the same way music communicates. Um, You know, whenever you put your time and effort into something, a dish, I believe people can taste that love. And so even when we started Blue Monday Mission and we started the monthly concert series, I always featured a blue plate special and people would call and ask, you know, um, you know, uh, what you, what's on the pl- special, but I never would say, because I'm like, you don't ever ask your grandma, what she cooking? You know, <laughs> the way Eloise Castile, my, my wife's grandmother would say, 
eat if you want, don't eat if you don't want, you know? <laughs> so I always wanted the concert series to, to make it feel like a family was coming together, you know? Um, eat it if you want, you know? And, uh, but food to me, it's, it's one, and cooking is one of my love languages. Uh, my father and I, um, my dad was an entrepreneur, worked his butt off, always at work, sun up to sundown. But uh, he taught me how to barbecue. And between barbecuing and cutting grass are the two things my father really taught me how to do well. And I remember, you know, Mardi Gras, my dad would pull up in the sunset parade and uh, he would have two barbecue pits in the back of his truck. And he would barbecue pork chop sandwiches or, you know, chicken leg quarters and just people as they pass by, he would just feed people, just give give the barbecue right out of the back of back of his truck. And that represented love of people for me. So when it comes to cooking, cooking is just love is my love language. And the concert series gives me that time to slow down and just cook. That's great. So what's uh, what's your favorite dish? What do you what do you pride yourself on? You know, barbecue It's easy. You know, that's definitely my favorite. I wouldn't thing. say it's easy. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know. It, it's it, it's an art, man. It's, it, look, you gotta you, you know you gotta train your pit. You know your pit is supposed to flip the meat. You know what I mean? <laughs> I need a shirt that says that. You know what I mean? Look, hey, look, my, my dad taught me that. You know, you you don't gotta touch that meat one time, man. But you gotta train your pit. You right. know, your pit gotta be trained. Um, but honestly, man, it's so. Hard. I like to actually try to cook. Um, you know, outlandish things, you know, I like to try to experiment. Uh, my wife has always been my bi biggest critic. I don't care how beautiful I make a plate look. I don't care how good it tastes. She's always, it could use a little more garlic, you know, <laughs> the Creole thing, you know, that's how they do, you know, but um, I can't, I, it's so hard for me to say what would be my favorite thing to cook. Right. So I would have to go with my easy answer, and it's my barbecue. Well, it's obvious, because the last time I saw you, I, I, it was through a, a cloud of, <laughs> of chicken smoke <laughs> as you opened the pit. I mean, it was backstage at Festival International, and it was a great scene, man. Everybody was smiling. Everybody was happy. Had a cold beer in their hand, and. Kind of walk by a couple times. There's old John on the trailer right yeah, there, and that that's so funny. You know, that's our fest house cook crew, and uh, it's so funny how I started doing barbecue for that. It was because you know, you know, all my Cajun friends, I guess you could say, you know, they were doing this gravy, that stew, you know, this grits and griots, and and they were like, John, you go cook a gravy for the for Festival International. I said, man. I'm the only brother in here. We need some barbecue, cuz, you know, we need a little hood in here. So that's how I started barbecuing every festival. It's like you're providing the, the fog machine for yeah, the, you for go, the stage. There like, you go. Look, let's get it, man. We need to have that steak up in here. And I mean, and charcoal, cancer causing charcoal. We're not smoking nothing. We grit. We barbecue. Real barbecue. And, and man, I, 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 can't, I can't say enough how, how amazing it was to just walk up on that scene and yeah, I, I I know that Festival International being being away for a few years was uh was it hurt man it really was not right and the same with Jazz Fest and the same with some of these other Louisiana festivals and these are things that I think the community and the culture look forward to if it's tasting that one dish that is only made at that festival yeah. 
or if it's you know obviously go and see a band or go and see that stage be built you know those are those are great but it's it's something about the food man people go to a festival for that one dish of food you know that bread bowl right pops you know um uh, like we were saying earlier with covid man when things shut down and yeah it hurt but what i saw like mid-year one of shutdown people really started to value um especially the creative economy you know being a chef but i feel musicians always got the harder shake on oh you play guitar oh that's a nice hobby man that is work (laughs) you know and I think that that was one valuable piece that came from COVID that people finally started to understand uh, how important and valuable our creative economy is. Um, started really valuing the work ethic that it takes to be a musician. Um, that is one of the takeaways that, I, that I've appreciated. When Festival International wasn't there, I mean, there were people crying about yeah. it, literally crying. Well, you know what? Sometimes you got to lose something in order for you to truly value it. No, 100%. And I mean, just driving around today, listening to Herman Fusilay, there you go. like he's a, he's out there announcing 10 different events that are happening this weekend alone. And I'm yeah. like, all right, this feels good. You know, yep. this person playing at this park over here and Bro Bridge and, and this. And it's like, man, that's that's what I remember. That is really... And you see how it came together like that? Right. You know, this stuff has been going on, but nobody knew about all these. But COVID again, it brought everybody together. Now we know what these little different communities throughout Acadiana are doing. And now Acadiana, I believe 100%, is set up to become a worldwide tourist destination 365 days a year. Not just when this main festival is happening, or this, you know, like New Orleans is people right. travel to New Orleans 365 days a year. Right. Acadiana is starting to get that uh, that strength. Well, in this year, Festival Acadiana happening twice. Twice. I think that's kind of genius. Yep. It's it's a uh, it's the right festival to do that. Yep. International. I don't know if you can pull it off twice, which I understand the logistics behind it. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think Gerard Park. I think you can oh, you yeah, can let yeah. that happen twice. I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it's going like that. I missed the spring one, but I saw videos and the weather was just ridiculous. And, oh man, I was so jealous. It's the perfect family it festival. Is. It's in the park, all the hills. You know, kids running around. It's just beautiful. It Diverse. Is. It's the one I remember as being a, a real young kid. I mean, yeah, with the hills and the grass and mosquitoes the, and all the that. It used to be in like people dancing. It used to be in I think September when it first started. I was older when I heard about it, but when I heard about it, I fell in love and I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Right. No, and it was it's a hot one sometimes like I mean, I, I remember them moving it to October cuz they were like, "All right, let's it's hot. let's give this a, <laughs> another month. <laughs> Let it breathe a little." <laughs> but I think I think, you know, I think it has potential to maybe come back again in the spring and the fall. And uh, those are just examples. You know, those are sort of our bigger, I think, uh, approaches to people from the Northeast or people from California or wherever they're coming from to come and check out Cajun and Zotico culture because they may have heard of it. They may have seen it once or twice. But now they're like, like you said, they're really, they're trying to come check it out. Come to where where it originated, you know, 
come to where, come to the home of it. You know, it's we're, we're Acadiana is so ready for it. Right, Let's it's go. true. And I mean, New Orleans has the same uh, cultural struggles, I guess. I, I and and me living there for about seven years, I've I've kind of realized like. When people come in for Jazz Fest, it's great, and there's definitely a lot of people there, but I don't quite know if they're totally understanding of what happens 365 days a year and mm-hmm. to keep that that sort of culture train just rolling. Yeah. You know, and uh, <clears throat> a lot of the smaller musician clubs and just things that, that churn and churn, and I don't know if they totally see that even if they come down for like two weeks during Jazz Fest, you know, because uh, I don't know, maybe it's you, you. You've been to Jazz Fest. I've been to Jazz Fest once. Um, I love. I see New Orleans as it. What it's done was really shine the light of what Louisiana can do. Um, you know, I think that even talking to the old schools, you know, uh, we created the music here on the porch in the woods and Eunice or you know, Karen Crow and stuff, but the old schools, they felt they made it whenever they played at a club in New Orleans. So the culture that's there was really exported a lot from Acadiana and surrounding areas. And New Orleans allowed, served as a beacon, beacon. Hey, come to Louisiana. We don't just ride alligators to school. You know what I mean? And it, it showed Louisiana in a beautiful light. And I think that people are wanting to connect to the authentic culture of, you know, Cajun Creole heritage. I think that once New Orleans and Acadiana is able to truly connect and have this, what I call the Blue Monday Mission Highway. Yes. And you stop along the points on the highway that leads you to the foundation and where it all started, which is Acadiana, which is another thing that Blue Monday, uh, along with Lafayette Travel and, you know, pulling it together to create this highway. So what do you believe is the future of Louisiana tourism? I believe we are less than three years, one to three years away from um you know, an explosion of Airbnbs, an explosion of uh, bed and breakfast um, all along I-49. That way you can travel and you can go to Eunice for two days and hit the local mom and pops, you know, uh, go check out a boucherie, uh, uh, go see the authentic culture and connect to it, but still have the luxury of being just a stone's throw away from downtown Lafayette, which would become more um, business-oriented, but just a, a collaboration of all the culture and creatives. I see Louisiana tourism, here specifically in Acadiana, uh, being a destination spot 365 days a year. I believe a lot like New Orleans, we're going to be able to host um, large conven- com- conferences and and when that, they'll know that when you come here, you know you work hard because we known for working hard and playing hard. Um, 
that is what Acadian is known for. That's what makes us such rich in culture and community. And I believe that because we have people like Anita downtown, we have we have movers and shakers in this generation, you know, this 35 to 45 year old group that we want to highlight our culture and our community. And we want to provide opportunity for the people that live in these throughout Acadiana. You know, when we have tr tourism and travel happening 365, you know how many jobs that creates for people who right. may not have a vehicle, but they can walk here and they can manage this hotel or manage this Airbnb, you know? Uh, we have so much opportunity for growth and the people here are will ready, willing, and able. So it's popping off. Man, what, what stops us from achieving that? Anything at all? I think what has stopped us in the past is the fear to lose the authentic culture. I think that the generations before us was afraid that if we open the doors and we expose that, hey, yep, this is the root of it, that it may be watered down. But isn't that already happening? Because I travel all over the country and more, I'd say... 90% of the menus I read from wherever I'm at, Man, they, got a, they got a Cajun <laughs> yeah. sandwich. Yeah. or a, I think you that know. it's been, the culture has been exported, but with Acadiana specifically, Lafayette specifically, um, the old school, you know, the business, pe the business pe people, I believe that they were afraid to shine the light on this area because then that would cause this influx of people that it's fine to export it and you want to go throw a Cajun sandwich in Iowa, that's fine, but don't expose this area because now like Festival Cajun is going to be full of, you know, New Yorkers or something. I think that they were afraid to lose, that they felt that with growth will come to dilute the culture. But right now, it's so concentrated, and we have so many people living throughout Acadiana that need opportunity. And as long as we're empowering our people from here to own it, to run it, to work it, then guess what, baby? It's going to maintain its authenticity. We just have to, as the business community, we have to make sure that the growth is calculated that we don't forget where we come from mm -hmm. in order to maintain it. And it's going to be just fine. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a great attitude to have for it, especially if, if you're okay with uh, that Cajun sandwich being in Iowa. <laughs> Why would you not be okay with an influx of Northeast visitors coming to Girard Park to, to see what's going down and spend some money, you know? Yep. It, to me, it was just a fear, you know, and ignorant isn't a bad word. It's just fear of the unknown, you know. Um, but I believe, again, with the movers and shakers that we have on both the creative and the business side, that that bridge is definitely being, it's happening regardless, you know. Um, so we need to prepare for it anyway. That's what's happening. Did you see sort of a trend in, I don't know, maybe early 2000s whenever television, uh, even even like pre-internet boom, like the internet existed, but mm -hmm. swamp people, 
stuff like that. Uh, television shows that were just like, I mean, not exploiting it, but totally showing you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And people can watch that on Discovery Channel or whatever <laughs> whatever it is. It's like, did it that was, have anything to do with it? It was when, um, from my in my perspective, uh, when Lafayette was deemed the happiest city in the world, country or something. <laughs> right. It was like, you know, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh lord and uh that was whenever i saw um a serious change um or a serious shift um it was not in the right direction it was like kind of just oh let's get it out there but it got out there it was marketed but we weren't prepared for that you know um one of the best examples of uh connecting to the world uh was whenever anthony bardain came down and visited twice you know he exposed in in only the way that he did all over the world he exposed some true authentic culture i think that that put a serious spotlight on lafayette and acadiana uh, especially his second visit right um and then i want to say that one of the episodes that aired from him, and he was in Grankato. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that was one of his last. Over at uh, where they do the boucherie. Yep. You oh. know? Yep. And I think that was one of his last episodes that he had filmed. It was. So, and then his death immediately after. So, of course, this being one of his last shows, you know, but the way he highlighted our culture, you know, it was it was true, <laughs> you know? But it was diverse. You know, he spoke to Herman Fusilier. He, he, he hit the whole gamut. And that was a good highlight of what we have going on here. Um, but, yeah, pre-internet stuff, it was that whole, we're the happiest city in the world. Um, we have a lot of different things that are highlighting our culture. And we as business people, people who truly care about the culture, cultural ambassadors, and the musicians and the ones who provide it, we have to come together, we have to work together, and we have to be pre- prepared for what's going to happen. Because I don't want to see Lafayette turn into New Orleans. You know, um, I love New Orleans, but... It's different. It's, it's different. They can work together, and I think they can, you know, almost attract visitors from yep. all over together, you yep. know? 100%. That's, that's all we need to do. It's true. And, uh, well, I mean, I'm just... You know, I, you got my brain rolling a little bit. So what do you think will convince certain generations of locals that this place is worth fighting for? Uh, I honestly, brother, honestly, uh, I don't think it's our job. I think their children are already doing it. Their children want it. You know, how many generations of children left Lafayette? So the old, the older generation, they don't want to, they don't want their kids shooting off to Texas or going to Cali and New York. They don't want that. You know, I I mean, I want my boys, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I want them to experience the world, but I want them to take over what my wife and I have created. But if we don't have something that's going to keep them engaged, you know, if they don't have a great museum that they can go downtown and see, and if they don't have that, I don't blame them for wanting to go out and find it in the world. So that's why I fight hard for my home. 
because I want to create something that my children will be proud of. So I think those who still hold the key and have a lot of fear of growth, I believe that their children and grandchildren are already pushing them to let it go. And hey, trust me, Pop, I got it. You know, I see that happening a lot. Well, they got a good role model. They, they do on, you know, spending time with them on 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 Father's Day, man. It's it's just a, it's a good weekend here in South Louisiana, and it's extremely hot. Oh Lord, <laughs> I don't even drink iced coffee. I know, I know that is. That I am today. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot, man. I. I, I love the way you speak about your home. I love the way that you speak about sort of, you know, the, the people alongside of you that you work with to, to make this place noticeable and, and just to noticeable in the right way. And uh, that's that, again, is a big goal of mine and maybe not fighting for the culture, but I, I do. I have many conversations with people my age or even younger uh, about how special this place is and, and how to keep the community together. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it doesn't help that it, the quality of life is, is tougher with maybe Louisiana politicians or compared to Texas or compared to North Carolina or wherever it is. And, you know, there's people that have good reasons why they might have to leave mm -hmm. or why yeah. they, why they think about it and maybe why they don't base their whole life on just culture and maybe I come from a family that that did and I, I it's instilled in me to to sort of just hold on to this this culture so strong if if, if nobody else is going to do it you know and that's sort of what hold the gravy was not just about a food concept or a food podcast it's just like we have to we have to grow the culture. It's beautiful, man. So I can't thank you enough for just sitting sitting here with me, man. And and uh I can't wait to see what Blue Monday becomes and what what QLS is already doing for the rest of, of Lafayette and Acadiana and surrounding areas. And I know that there's talks in, in Blue Monday becoming even more into the music scene, I, you know, even gotcha. laying stronger roots and, and who knows, possibly making some records, making some, some studios happen. We're, we're actually we're sitting in game, a re man. rehearsal studio right now. And look, blue Monday is going to change the game. We're going to, this, this creative economy, um, we're going to empower creatives. Um, we're going to help them have their piece of the pie. We're going to represent them at the table um, because if the if COVID didn't show you, if the current oil and gas prices don't show you the value of our creative economy in Louisiana, I mean, come on, you know, um, but it's not business people to do that. We need the creatives um, engaged enough to be able to sit at the table. Um, and the business community needs to value the creative economy enough so that we know that this can create sustainability despite the next pandemic, you know, anything. Yeah, you could throw anything at us now, I feel. Baby, culture can go. Yeah. It, it has the power to rejuvenate life. 
It has the power to, you know, convince that kid to put the gun out of his hand instead of the bullet in his mouth. You know how much depression is going on? You know, uh, music has the power to pull you through that. Uh, we have got to value what our creative economy is worth and what it's capable of doing. Blue Monday is going to, we're going to lay that down. John, man, I, 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 I got nothing else to say on that one, man. We're going to lay it down. This is Hold the Gravy. Thank you so much to John Williams for sitting with me today. And we'll see you. We'll see you soon, my friend. Thank you, my brother. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes. Thank you all so much for clicking on episode 15 of Hold the Gravy. My name is Hunter Romero. I got some heavy hitting interviews coming at you this summer. We in the heat. We fighting the heat. We trying to beat the heat. But we are not stopping. The culture moves on. The food will be cooked. We will taste some of the best food in the world. And we will listen to some of the best music in the world. Pretty much as often as we can, you know. If you got anything that you want to see on this podcast once again please give me a shout if you want to hear a certain person if you want to hear a certain song i'm going to try to work it in as as best as i can we're rolling on we are continuing hold the gravy i got another very special interview coming at you in about a few days we got the family of the best stop supermarket coming up on hold the gravy episode 16 i'm so excited to bring that interview to y'all this one hits super close to home for me. The Best Stop Supermarket brings back more nostalgia than anything I've ever experienced. I had boudin and biscuits this morning from there, and it was still just like a leftover link, you know? And if you don't know what boudin is, uh, maybe maybe I need to do a whole preliminary episode on that, but, but regardless, you're getting to hear from some of the godfathers or from the godfather and his family, his descendants, you know? So... I'm super excited about it. They're, they're some family friends of ours. So I, I did have to call in a favor for that one, and, and they were gracious enough to sit down with me around Father's Day and right before they went to Mass, which I think is, is beautiful. Make boudin, go to Mass with your family, and just love life. And uh, it's, it's, it's rolling over there, over there in Scott, Louisiana. Maybe we're gonna have to get Theo Vaughn to come down and try some boudin on one of these uh, one of these episodes sometime. If you're listening out there, Theo, I know, I know you may be checking out some other Louisiana podcasts. So hopefully, hopefully we'll keep rolling on. <laughs> Maybe Theo will uh, hit me up. We, we're friends, you know. He 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 likes the band. He likes Iceman. So, but thank y'all again so much. Thank you for bearing with my crazy schedule. Thank you for supporting Delcom Seafood and Farmer's Market. Thank you for supporting Louisiana Seafood. If you are out of town or if you need any type of fresh Gulf seafood, please visit louisianadirectseafood.com. They will take care of you. They will send you anything you need for the right price, and I promise you it's fresh. If you, uh, you know, if you got a secret recipe at home or if you... If you got a favorite spot 
in another region by the water that you really like seafood and want us to try, send me a send me a little email or a note or something, and uh, you know, let me know where it's at. I'm gonna I'm gonna go find it because I'm traveling all over this country, and I'm I'm bringing my stuff with me, and and, and then I'm gonna come talk to you, and you're gonna have to tell me what y'all do there, what's your culture, and and I'm gonna tell you about Louisiana. You know the drill here, and uh. Other than that, we're just gonna we're gonna wrap it up, you know. We're gonna we're gonna probably eat some eat some oysters wherever you are. And um, this is a food loving podcast. This is a wellness loving podcast, and this is all about culture and community. And uh, thank you for listening to the first fifteen episodes. That means that means the world to me. Honestly, I've never done a podcast, and this is um, this is my first one. So it's um. It's rolling. I think I'm I think I'm getting the hang of it. I don't know. But if you got anything, let me know. I'm going to leave y'all with a song here. Have a great day. I appreciate you. Hold the Gravy Podcast.
Out to Malibu, baby. Out to Malibu. 